And if you've been with us during our Wednesday night Bible study, uh, the message this morning, I think, will be a, a, a connection uh, to the things that we have been uh, going through on Wednesday night in our Bible study as we've been journeying through the Old Testament. Right now on Wednesday night, we are in the book of Judges. And so how timely it is uh, that the Lord has put a message on my heart for Sunday morning right here in the book of Judges that I want to be a help and I want to be an encouragement to you with this special topic in mind. I want to preach on, this, on, on revival. We're thinking about this revival that is coming up. And one of the ways that we prepare our hearts for revival is through prayer. Another way we prepare ourselves for revival is to preach on the subject of revival to get our hearts prepared for when revival comes. And so I want to preach this morning on the thought of revival and asking the Lord to get our hearts ready for this revival, knowing that just like Miss Dawn sang, without Him we can do nothing. We're going to need Him. We're going to need His help. We're going to need His strength. We're going to need His power. Not only just for this revival meeting, this series of services that are coming up that we uh, call a revival meeting, but we need Him to give us revival, don't we? and to uh, refresh us and give us the spiritual life He wants us to have. And so let's look at the book of Judges. And if you found the book of Judges, if you would turn to chapter 10, if you would. Chapter 10 in the book of Judges. And in that passage of Scripture, we're going to use some thoughts from Judges chapter 10 to encourage us this morning. And here is the title of the message. We're trying to get ready for revival. And so the title of the message this morning is simply this, Prerequisites for Revival. What are some prerequisites for revival? What are some things that are necessary to be able to get us prepared, to be able to get us ready for revival? And so this morning from the book of Judges and just some simple verses in this chapter, I want us to notice some prerequisites for revival. Now let me ask you a question, and I want you to answer this honestly in your heart, not out loud, but in your heart this morning. Can we expect God to respond to prayer for revival? Can we expect God to respond? I think we're going to clearly see the answer to that today in this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at here in the book of Judges. Answer that in your heart. Can you expect... God to respond to you if you pray to Him for revival. And then another question I think it would be so important for us to answer today. When God's people, when we as God's people, if you know the Lord is your Savior, and I'm not making that statement, God's people assuming that everybody in this building knows the Lord. But if you do know the Lord as your personal Savior, and there's been a time and a place where you put your faith and trust in the Lord, when God's people are willing to repent, and turn back to Him. Does the Bible indicate to us what He will do? Does the Bible show us how He will respond when we reach out to Him in repentance and turn ourselves to Him? Well, the book of Judges is helpful in giving us an understanding of revival. It just so happens that we are right now on Wednesday night studying through the book of Judges. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday night coming up, Lord willing, if the Lord continues to lead this way in my heart, this Wednesday night we will be going through a brief survey of this book, the book of Judges, and just touching on 
some thoughts throughout the book of Judges that I hope will be a help to us as we go through that brief survey. So we're looking at that on Wednesday nights, but the book of Judges is helpful in giving us an understanding of revival. It is a record, the book of Judges and the chapters that are contained in this book, is a record of a series of revivals and then apostasies that took place. So an apostasy took place and then we, saw, we see God raising up a leader. He raises up a judge to rule over His people and that judge brings a time of deliverance, really a time of spiritual revival in connection to God's people calling out to Him, crying out to the Lord and asking God to hear them. So the book of Judges is a, it's a cycle of spiritual rises and spiritual falls. Sometimes, sadly, that can become a pattern of our spiritual life individually as we speak of ourselves today. There can be moments of spiritual rises where we say, man, spiritually speaking, I am walking with the Lord perhaps in a greater way than I have in times past. Or maybe I'm walking with the Lord right now spiritually in the greatest way that I ever have as a Christian. But because we are human, because we still have the flesh, because we still have the world and the influence of the world around us, we can still also get to a place where we have spiritual falls. We're not walking with the Lord as closely as what we should be. And so the Bible talks in the book of Judges of these spiritual rises and these spiritual falls that take place. It's really a cycle or a pattern that we see in this book. The children of God sin. And as a result of their sin, which by the way, there's a whole story behind the reason why they are sinning. They're allowing the associations of the Canaanites to affect them. And so they're sinning. And their sin leads them to a time of servitude where they are uh, in oppression and in, in, in a time of servitude. And then in supplication, they call out to the Lord. They cry out to the Lord. And the Lord, by means of salvation or deliverance, the Bible tells us He raises up a judge. And that judge rules for a time. And while that judge is ruling, the Bible tells us there is a time of deliverance. There's a time of salvation. There's a time of revival that takes place until that judge's time on earth is done. And when that judge dies, sadly, it goes back to that same pattern of spiritual fall that leads again to a spiritual rise. Now, right before we get to Judges chapter number 10, I want to give you this morning some thoughts by way of a, of a definition for revival. How would we define revival? How would we say this is God truly working in my heart? or my family, or our church? What would it mean? What would a revival look like? Or how could we define a revival? Well, revival in the Bible is God bringing His people back. You say, well, what is He bringing them back to? He's bringing them back to a time of spiritual life. I heard a man once say it this way, and I think it's such a wonderful definition. He said revival is when God's people spiritually get back to normal. Get back to normal. Which means we are doing things as Christians that we normally should do. These are things that we know we ought to do. So it's not, let's not look at revival as something that's extraordinary or something that's absolutely amazing or impossible for us to achieve through God working in us. 
but just something that really ought to be normal for our lives as Christians. The word revive or revived or reviving. So one of those ways of using the word revive, so whether it be revive or revived or reviving, appears in the Old Testament of our Bible 14 times. So if you were to study the word revive or the word revived or the word reviving, now I'll tell you what it means in just a minute, but right before we get to the meaning of it, there's also another word that is closely connected with the word revive or revived or reviving in our Bible. And it is the word quicken. Now the word quicken is used in the book of Psalm, just in the the book of Psalm alone now, it's used 14 times. And it has or it goes along with the same meaning of the word revive. So if we see the word revive or we see the word revived or reviving in the Bible, It would be similar to what we would say the psalmist uses when he uses the word quicken. Now that word quicken or that word revive or the thought of being revived or having a reviving, the word is a verb that carries the idea of life or living. God wants us to come back to spiritual life. He wants us to spiritually be alive So in some forms of that word, it means to live. And in other forms of the word, it means to cause to live. So God wants us to live. God wants us to call, he wants wants to cause us to live or cause us to be alive. So the words have the meaning of keeping something alive or letting something live or restoring to life something that is not having normal life at the moment. In the English, the English word for the word revive, it would mean to restore to a normal state of health or life. If we would say we are trying to, now let's physically think about this. Let's say we are trying to revive somebody. Somebody that is physically needing to be revived. What are we doing? In the English language, we would say if we are trying to revive somebody, we would say we are trying to restore them to a place where they are at a normal state of health and a normal state of life. You think of a, of a medical technician. When he works to revive someone, when he or she is working to revive somebody with CPR or maybe another form of trying to revive somebody. What are they doing? They're trying to get them back to normal. Physically, they're trying to revive them or restore them back to normal. People who need physical revival or to be physically revived are physically sick. We would not go around this room this morning and and try to revive somebody uh, physically if they were not at a place where they were sick and needing to be revived. Well, let's think about that spiritually speaking. The need for spiritual revival. That means that somebody is spiritually sick or spiritually weak or they're not spiritually living the way that God wants them to spiritually live. God then wants us, spiritually speaking, God wants us to have restored spiritual life, doesn't He? So what does revival do? Well, revival takes a person from spiritual illness 
or spiritual illness, or excuse me, or spiritual weakness, or a spiritual lack of life to having spiritual health again. Revival takes a Christian from times of disobedience to times of obedience. Now, would you agree with me? Obeying the Lord for the Christian should be normal, right? That should be something we normally do. But there are times because of our flesh, because of our weakness spiritually, where we might not be obeying the way we should. God says, I want you to be revived. I want you to get to a place from, from disobedience to obedience. I want you to come from carnality or worldliness to spirituality. I want you to have that spiritual life that I desire for you to have. I want you to go from rebellion to a place of surrender. And I think we clearly see a wonderful picture of that here in Judges chapter number 10. Now, I hope you have your Bible open because we're going to specifically look at just a few verses this morning that get the background of the story in our hearts and minds. And then I want to give you some thoughts that I hope will help us with revival. And I trust today, I trust today that if God would speak to your heart, you would humble yourself enough to say, God, I need to be revived. I need to have spiritual life. Maybe perhaps you would say there's times in my Christian life or my Christian walk where I had more spiritual life than I do today. And I have to be honest before the Lord and say that before Him today. And so if He speaks to your heart, I hope you'll do that. Now let's think about the background of Judges chapter number 10. This was a time when God raised up a judge. Now we'll get specifically to that judge in just a moment. But this was after the death of another judge. That particular judge had been able to see God give victory over an enemy called the Midianites. So you probably already in your mind know who I'm talking about. That was the judge named Gideon. Now, a very familiar story in the book of Judges of this man named Gideon. Well, Gideon is now dead. His time of being a judge has passed. The Bible tells us that the condition of the people has worsened since the death of Gideon. As a matter of fact, look at it if you would in Judges chapter 10. Would you notice verse number 6 with me? Judges chapter 10 and verse number 6. Now remember, Gideon has judged Israel, but now he has died. So the Bible says in verse 6, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth, and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Zidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord, and served not Him. Now notice the condition of the people. They have gone right back to serving false gods after the judge Gideon has died. The Bible says in verse number 7, let's further notice the condition of the people. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. The Bible tells us now the Ammonites are vexing and oppressing the children of Israel. Again, Gideon has died. The Bible tells the people go back to the same pattern of sin, and now the enemy is the Ammonites. The Bible says they are vexing the children of Israel. They are oppressing them. We know that to be true because of what the Bible says in verse number 8. Look at it with me if you would. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Well, who did that? Well, the children of Ammon. So the Ammonites are vexing and oppressing the children of Israel. So notice the condition of the people. Look at this. It says 18 years. They allowed this to go on for 18 years without spiritual life. Away from the Lord. Being oppressed and vexed by their enemy. Look at what it says. All the children of Israel that were on the other side, Jordan, in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. 
It went on for 18 long years. So 18 years pass now, and the Bible tells the children of Israel now, cry out to the Lord for help. You notice the pattern, sin and then servitude and then the supplication of crying out to the Lord. Notice what the Bible says, if you would, in verse number 10. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And now I want you to notice down in verse number 13 that God gives an answer after they cry out to him. Now, the answer that God gives is not one that they want to hear, but it is certainly an answer that is understandable. Notice what the Lord says in verse number 13. It says, Yet ye have forsaken me. The Lord answers their supplication. They cry out to the Lord. And He says, Yet you have forsaken me. Now notice what it says. And served other gods. Wherefore I will deliver you no more, God says. Time and time and time again, I have delivered you. And God says, you've cried out to me for the last time because he says, I will deliver you no more. Look at what God says to them in verse number 14. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. God says, I'm done with my mercy. I'm done with my deliverance. You've cried out to me time and time and time again. And he says, again, an answer they did not want to hear, but certainly an understandable answer. They've returned to these gods time and time and time again. So God looks at them and he says, you cry out to the gods that you are serving and see if they will answer you, see if they will deliver you. Well, in the day that we live today, we should seek revival not only personally and not only in our families, church, our church as a whole as well, we should seek revival as the Israelites did in the days of this judge that God raises up. The Bible tells us that God raises up a judge and his name is Japheth. I want us to notice, you say, well, wait a minute. You just read a passage of scripture that said that God said his mercy is done. Why are you saying that God's going to give revival here? Well, I want us to notice some prerequisites for revival. What was the way that the children of Israel were able to experience revival? We have to notice it in the passage of scripture that comes right after the words that our Lord gives to them in verse 13 and verse number 14. Would you notice number one in this pattern, number one in the prerequisites for revival, number one, there was confession. Number one, there was confession. In order for us to experience revival today, there must be confession. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 15 with me, if you would. Verse number 15 of chapter number 10. Notice just the first few words. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. The first prerequisite for revival is we have to come to a place where we confess our sin. Confess that we have done things that have displeased the Lord. Confess to the Lord our moments of disobedience, the sins that we have committed. 
There is the story in the Old Testament of our Bible of David when he sinned with Bathsheba. And the Bible very clearly lays out for us two psalms that David writes. He's the, he's, the, he's the psalmist that writes these psalms. Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. If you want to take the time to look at those psalms later, David sinned, but he cried out to God in confession. And he cried out to God for mercy. He said, Lord, I have sinned. Do you know the Bible gives us a pattern for that today? To cry out to the Lord. To confess to the Lord. And it's found in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9. And it says these words. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, first of all, let's define the word confession. If I'm going to confess my sin to the Lord, what does it mean to confess? The, the word confession has the idea of agreeing with God about it. God, you say it's wrong, and because you say it's wrong, I confess that it is wrong. I agree with you about it. God, you say that it's good for me to do, and I haven't been doing it. So God, because I haven't been doing something that you told me I should do, God, I confess it. I agree with you about it. And I acknowledge the fact that I have sinned. I have done something that I shouldn't have done. And God, I'm asking you for mercy. And then what does the Bible say God does? He is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins. God is faithful. I heard someone once say this about forgiveness. It's a good thought. Listen to this. It says, forgiveness is a promised response to our confession. If you're willing to confess your sin, God says, I promise you I will respond I promise you that I will be faithful to forgive your sins. So forgiveness is a promised response to our confession. If we confess, God says, I am faithful. I will keep my word. The promise is that I will respond. Now, as Christians, we should make confession of our sin a serious thing. Hey, listen, this is serious business before the Lord to confess our sin. If you want personal revival, a prerequisite is you've got to confess your sin. You've got to get to a point where you acknowledge to the Lord, I've done that which I should not do. In, in, in revivals of the past, it was said that individuals in past revivals, they desired revival so bad that they would take out a piece of paper. And by the way, maybe perhaps this wouldn't be bad for us to do. They took out a piece of paper and they wrote out all of the ways that they have been sinning against the Lord. And they, from that piece of paper, began to pray out to the Lord and confess their sins before the Lord. Now revivals of the past that were able to see God move in a great and mighty way, they got a list of all the things that they had done to fail the Lord and started praying over that list. Their sins of commission. Things that they had committed against the Lord that they should have never done. Sins of omission. When they left out things that God had desired for them to do and they failed to do it. The Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So it's sin when we commit a sin that we know we shouldn't do. And it's also a sin to do something or to, not, to fail to do something that we know we should do. Perhaps in our lives today, we see so little revival because we do so little confession. Perhaps as a church, maybe, we would say we see so little revival 
because, and we lack revival because we do so little confession. Let's perhaps in our minds or maybe even literally with a piece of paper say, God, help me to, in my mind to put the, 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 the things that have been sinful in my life, in my heart, in my mind, like the psalmist said, search me, oh God. Lord, help me to realize what I need to confess to you so that I can have revival personally in my heart, in my family, in my church, so that we're prepared for revival before the meeting even starts, right? We're prepared for revival before the evangelist even steps foot into our building. We're ready for revival. Why? Because we've confessed. But notice there's a second part of these prerequisites that I want you to notice. Number two, there was submission. Number one, there is confession, but number two, there is submission. Would you look with me at the second part of verse number 15? The second part of verse number 15, we're back in Judges chapter 10, and look at the second part of verse number 15. This is a picture of submission. Look at what it says. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned, now notice this, Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. God, we submit to you. God, we realize we have no other choice. We confess our sins and now we submit to you. We leave the results to you. We're willing to submit to you. They were content to accept God's will for them. Now here's the great truth that we see all throughout the word of God. If we are at a place where we are willing to confess to the Lord what we have done wrong and we are willing to live in submission to Him, we can expect His promised blessings in our lives. As a matter of fact, there's a series of chapters in the book of John. We will not take the time to turn there. But there is, I want you to consider this. There is a series of chapters in the book of John from chapter 13 in the book of John to chapter 17. Perhaps that would be good homework for you as we're preparing for revival. Read John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those chapters in the book of John, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He has gathered his disciples right before he is to be crucified. This is the night that leads up to his crucifixion. And the Bible tells us that Jesus gives a promise to his disciples. And here's what the promise is. That when I go and I ascend into heaven and I leave you, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And He's going to live within you. Not only is He going to live within you, but He wants to fill you. He wants you to submit yourself to Him so that while He is living in you, He can control you and He can use your life for His honor and His glory. So Jesus began to lay out in John 13 through John 17. Hey, read it. I encourage you to read it. That'll be your homework. Read it. Jesus begins to lay out to them what they can expect if they live a life of submission. Now listen, in our, in our, in our, in our application or, or truth for us today, what we can put into practice, what can we expect today from God if we are totally willing to submit to Him? Well, here's the short list that Jesus gives to His disciples. He says, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to live within you. If you're willing to submit to Him, here are some of the blessings that you can expect. Number one, direct answers to your prayers. 
Now you read through John chapter 13 through chapter number 17 and you'll see that Jesus says that of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give direct answers to your prayers. Now as a revived people, if we're really wanting revival, if we're really wanting spiritual life, would you not acknowledge with me that it would be a good thing, it would be a blessing from God, something that we would say, God, thank you for if we see direct answers to the prayers that we give to the, to the, to the Lord. Here's another thing he says. Hey, you can expect this blessing. He says you can expect power from the Holy Spirit. Now listen, as we minister and we serve, as we minister for the Lord and we serve the Lord, we need His power. We cannot do it in our own strength. If you want spiritual life, if you want to spiritually be revived, and to have the power of God upon your life, as He tells the disciples, will be very evident in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's as we separate, excuse me, as we submit ourselves to the Lord. So He says, you can expect God to answer your prayers. You can expect the Holy Spirit to give you power. You can expect peace and joy. You can expect peace and joy. Let me ask you today, as a Christian, do you have peace and joy in your heart? Do you have the joy of the Lord in your heart? Is it constantly there with you? Now, we know the, whole, we know the Bible says that God doesn't leave us. It, nothing changes our relationship. But sadly, sometimes our fellowship can get out of whack a little bit and we don't have the joy and the peace that God wants us to have. That's when we spiritually need revival. God says, I want you to be able to expect these blessings, but you can only expect them as you submit yourself to me. And then he goes on to say this to the disciples. You can expect effective evangelism. You can expect effective evangelism. When you share the gospel with somebody, they will respond. God's power will be upon you as you present the word of God. Understanding the fact that every time we present the gospel to somebody, no, not everyone is going to receive the Lord. There'll be times when people will reject, but we'll be effective in our evangelism. Now, do you want that on your life? Spiritually speaking, do you want that on your life? God said you live in, in submission to me. You can expect those blessings. But then here's another one, and this one sometimes is a little sobering. You read John 13 through John 17, and you'll see it. When the Holy Spirit comes, here's another thing that you can expect. You can expect persecution. Hey, when you're submitting to the Lord, and you're doing what the Lord would have you to do, yes, you might through, go through times of persecution, but these were things. Can I say this? When Jesus did ascend into heaven... These were things that characterized the lives of those that were in the early church. We're studying it on Sunday night, aren't we? We're studying through the book of Acts. And we are seeing very clearly that those statements that I just gave you, that God says will happen to those that are submitted to Him, they are things that we can expect in our lives as Christians as we're submitted to the Lord. These are things that would characterize our life if we're submitted to Him. The Bible in the book of Acts says many times, that Christians were filled with the Spirit. It was a normal state in the lives of the believers to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me ask you this. Is that a normal state in your life? Is it a normal state for you to say, this is a normal thing for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that I'm controlled by Him, I, I, I'm living a life that is surrendered to Him, I'm living a life where God is in control. Now, if we are not filled with the Spirit, if we're not living in submission and our life is not surrendered to Him and He's not controlling our life the way that He should, we're in need of revival, aren't we? We're in need of spiritual life. Prerequisite number one, we've got to get to the place where we confess. 
Prerequisite number two, we've got to get to the place where we are submitted to him. So what would a revival then mean? When we think of this thought of submission, what would a revival mean? Well, a revival would mean that we would come back to a normal Christian life. What would a normal Christian life look like? One of submission to God with the expected blessings of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Read it later. The expected blessings that God has for His children as we live a life of submission. Now, when those blessings are absent, we need revival, don't we? When those blessings are not in place in our Christian life like they should be, we need revival. Sometimes, sadly, we get so used to living in worldliness and we get so used to living in indifference and we get so used to living in disobedience when God would have us to live in power. And God wants us to live in purity. And God wants us to live in submission to Him. Number one, there was confession. Number two, there was submission. Number three, I want you to notice, look at the last part of verse number 15. So we're back in Judges chapter 15. Look at the last part of the verse and it says this. I'll read the entire verse, but we'll concentrate on the last part. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. We've confessed. We've submitted to you, Lord, whatever the result is. We leave it up to you, but we expect you to deliver us. And notice what he says in the end of the verse. Deliver us only. We, notice the next word, pray thee this day. Number one, a prerequisite for revival, there's confession. Number two, there's submission. Number three, there was prayer. There was prayer. They were seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord to deliver them. By the way, they prayed for the Holy Spirit's deliverance even though they had no reason to expect Him to answer these prayers. You say, well, why would they not expect God to answer prayers? When we take our prayers to Him, He answers them, right? But remember what He had said to them. You've cried out to me so many times. I've given you mercy over and over and over again. Don't expect it this time. You cry out to your gods and see if they answer you. See if they can deliver you. So they cry out to the Lord, not even expecting Him to answer their prayers. But can I say this? It's always right to pray, isn't it? It's always right to pray. The Bible says of our prayer that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If you want God to be a rewarder in your life, you need to diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, when I'm talking about this subject of prayer, would it help, would, would, this, would this thought here today help you to understand why I'm so concentrated and deliberate about having prayer meetings before revival? Those prayer meetings are not on the schedule by mistake. They're not just time fillers. We're not just saying, well, before the Wednesday evening service, we're just going to spend about a half hour praying just to fill time. It's for the purpose of earnestly seeking the Lord so we can expect His blessings. We can expect Him to give us the revival we are praying for. We're deliberate with our prayer meetings. There's a reason why we've spent last Wednesday night and we'll spend this Wednesday night and we'll spend the Wednesday night to follow and then before the revival services on the weeknights, we're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to pray together as men during our men's prayer breakfast, specifically for revival. We're praying in that way because as we pray and we ask God earnestly 
to help us. He promises that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ask and it shall be given unto thee. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, and I'm going to take just a moment to read these verses so that you can understand what we mean by praying and asking God in his will to help us and to hear us and to give us revival. In 1 John chapter number 5, and verse number 14, I'll take the time to read these verses if you would just very carefully listen. As I read from 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 14, it says this, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Now what's the promise God gives to us there? If we ask anything in accordance to His will, He's going to hear us. Now verse 15 says this, And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So what is that passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 5 telling us? That when we pray for things that God says He wants for us, or are His will for our lives, then we can expect to receive the blessings we ask Him for. Now let me ask you this. Do you believe it's God's will for your life to spiritually be revived? Do you believe it's God's will for your life to spiritually have revival? Are these things that we believe, do you want the blessings of revival? Do you desire holiness? Do you want to be faithful at winning others to Christ and allow God to enable you and give you power to be able to do that? Listen, it is God's nature to respond to our prayers, but we must present them to Him and ask Him, are you asking God for revival? Would you be willing to attend the prayer meetings that we have that are leading up to revival? You say, well, I don't know about me. Others will show up for that. No, we want everybody on board with it. We want folks to show up so that we can spend time praying, saturating this prayer meeting, or excuse me, this revival meeting in prayer, deliberately meeting together so that we can be praying and asking God for this revival to, to be in our hearts and our families and in our church and this revival meeting that's coming up as well. The last thought I want to give you from the book of Judges is simply this. If you're there in Judges chapter number 10, the prerequisites for revival, there was confession, there was submission, there was prayer, but lastly, I want you to notice there was repentance. There was repentance. Notice what the Bible says in, chapter, uh, in verse number 16 of chapter 10 of Judges. It says this at the very beginning of the verse, and this will be the last part of the verse we read. Genesis, I'm, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 10 verse 16, and they put away... The strange gods from among them and served the Lord. Now they had confessed their sin. They had already said, we've sinned God. They are submitting themselves to God's will. God, whatever it is, we want your blessings. But whatever it is you choose to do, we're submitting to you. We're leaving those results to you. We are praying. We were talking to you, God. And they repent. They repent of the fact that they have sinned. They began, the Bible says, to serve the Lord again. So they repented of their sin. They repaired their ways and they returned to the service of the true God. And here's what we finish the message with today. This is the encouragement for revival. I want you to see God's response. But wait a minute, right before we see God's response, may we be mindful of what God has already told them. God says, hold on now, you've asked me over and over and over again to help you. And you've turned right back to your idols. This time, do not expect my mercy. You reach out to the other gods. But because of their repentance, God responded. 
Notice what the Bible says at the end of verse number 16. And his soul, that's the Lord now, was grieved for the misery of Israel. God's response to the prayer of repentance. He responds to the repentance of his people. Oh, isn't that a blessing today? That we know that God will respond to the repentance of his people. First of all, let's define repentance. What is repentance? What would we mean when we say that we are repenting? Repentance is to have a change of mind that causes a change of direction. Now, did you notice there wasn't just a change of mind, it changed their direction. They say, we're going to give up the false gods. We've repented of this. And now the Bible tells us they change their mind and they start to serve the Lord again. There's a change of mind that causes a change of direction. And what does God do when we repent? He responds to our repentance. When we turn from our sin, God is willing to turn. He turns from His wrath. When God's people are willing to move, God says, I am willing to move. There are passages of Scripture all throughout the Word of God that give us this truth. For sake of time, we don't have time to look at, at all of them. But in the book of Psalm, in Psalm 80, if you'd look at these verses later, in verse number 3, in verse number 7, in verse number 19, three different times the psalmist says, God, turn away. And give us your mercy. Turn and give us your mercy. Show us your mercy. In the book of Zechariah chapter 1 and verse number 3, there's a wonderful thought that's given there in the book of Zechariah about asking God to turn and to be able to show His mercy. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse number 8 that if we draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to us. What does that mean? That means God responds, doesn't He? We draw nigh to Him, He draws nigh to us. In James chapter 4, in the same chapter, in verse number 10, he says that we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Meaning if you respond in humility, God is going to respond and he will lift you up, the Bible says. Now let's in our minds go to the most familiar verse that we know about revival. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. What does that verse teach us? That God responds to repentance, doesn't he? If my people, that's the condition, right? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. God gives the if, but if we meet the condition of the if, then God says, then I will do this. If we are willing to turn, God responds. If we are willing to move, God moves. God can be expected. We can expect God to revive His people when they are willing to meet the condition of repenting and turning to Him. So I can say to this morning, from the authority of the Word of God, we clearly see it from the authority of the Word of God, that if we are willing to repent, God will respond. And something we want to notice at the very end of this today, when man, when God, when man does call out to God and God responds, what is the character trait of God that enables him to respond? It's his mercy, isn't it? Oh, God is a God of mercy, isn't He? 
He withholds from us that which we deserve. Aren't you glad that God is a God of mercy? And when you are willing to call out to Him in repentance and turn from what perhaps was taking place to what you want God to do in your life, God says, I will respond and I will respond in mercy. The part of God's nature that responds to our repentance is the character trait of His mercy. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? The book of Habakkuk says these words. It says, in wrath, God, remember mercy. Yes, you are a God of wrath, but God, would you, would you show to us your mercy? God, would you give to us mercy even though we do not deserve it? God, would you pour your mercy on us? Think in the Bible of illustrations that we could give. Adam and Eve, when they had sinned, but what did God do? He made them coats of skins, didn't he? He shed the blood of an animal to cover them, to cover their nakedness because of their sin. A wonderful picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that would be shed. Why? Because God is a God of mercy. Think about all of those that are in Genesis chapter number 6 that the Bible says the imaginations were evil on the earth continually. But the Bible says there was a man named Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God in His mercy, even though there was wickedness across the face of the earth, God had a man. And that man built an ark. And that ark was to the saving of his family. And it was a wonderful picture of the mercy of God. He responds in mercy when we are willing to repent. He extends His mercy to us. So I'll ask you as I bring this message to a close this morning, and there's a few other scripture passages I, want to read, I wanted to read, but I think we can understand the truth of God's mercy. And so I'll ask you some questions as we close today. Based upon this thought of revival this morning, are you willing to do what must be done in order for God to be able to personally send a revival to you? You say, what do I have to do? Are you willing to confess? Maybe perhaps it is writing a list of things that have been in your life that have been failing, that you've been failing God with. God, I want to pray over that list. I want to ask you, I'm going to confess those things to you. I failed to do these things. And God, in order for me to experience revival, I'm going to have to confess. Are you willing to confess? Are you willing to live in submission? Even when he asks you to do things that you might not necessarily even desire to do. God, you say to do it. And I'm willing to submit to you. Are you seeing God's blessings in your life as a result of submission? If you're not seeing those expected blessings of God as a result of submission, then we're in need of revival. We'd have to honestly say before the Lord, we're in need of revival. Are you praying for revival? Are you praying for great and mighty things from God? Do you understand this morning, as we've very clearly seen in the Word of God, do you understand that God responds to your repentance? If you're willing to repent, He is willing to respond and give you that revival that you seek from Him. Are you thankful today for God's mercy? Oh, God's a God who could say no to us when it comes to revival, but He wants to give us revival. Are you glad that you serve a God that has mercy? 
He's willing to pardon. He's willing to forgive if we'll be willing to repent and get to a place where we need to be. What is revival? It's restoring ourselves to spiritual life, which really is restoring ourselves to what should be normal for the Christian. Are you where you should be spiritually? Do you need revival? Are you praying for it? Are you meeting these prerequisites for revival in your heart as we approach these special meetings? Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today in a great and a mighty way.